This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Plato. A bit later in the hour, how the alien in the sci-fi thriller Nope was inspired by real sea creatures. And despite our fears, why we wouldn't want a world without wasps. But first, there have been big developments on the COVID front with updates about Omicron infections, testing, and a brand new booster. Here with these and other science stories of the week is Casey Crownhart, climate and technology reporter at the MIT Technology Review. Casey is based in New York. Welcome to Science Friday. Thanks so much, Ira. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Let's talk about uh, a surprising new study about Omicron infections, about whether people knew they were infected. There was the study that just came out where researchers followed a group of healthcare workers and patients at this hospital in California. And they found that of the people that they tested regularly, they were taking blood samples of about 200 people who had antibodies to the COVID virus in their blood. About half of those people weren't aware that they had any recent COVID infection. Wow. Why is this important to know? You know, with especially with these new variants, we're seeing more people either not have any symptoms at all or have really mild symptoms that you might just think, oh, I have a headache or I have a little cold, but it it really is a COVID infection. And so I think that that's just becoming more common. Yeah. So people should be testing more then is what you're saying. That's ideal. Yeah. So if you are feeling a little bit under the weather or had a recent exposure, it, it is still a good idea to be taking those rapid tests if you can get them. And there's bad news in, in that the government is stopping those free at home testing programs as of today, right? Yeah. So last Friday, the White House announced that they would be stopping the the free testing program where they've been sending out tests. And the last day to place orders is today. Wow. This sounds counterproductive to saying you want to get tested more often. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, they said that, you know, they just haven't gotten enough funding from Congress to keep the program going. And, you know, there are other places for people to get tests, you know, private insurance, Medicare, Medicaid. But as far as that that stash that the government has, they say that they're going to try and preserve what little they have for a fall and winter surge coming up. I see. And speaking of a fall and winter surge, there's a brand new COVID vaccine out, right? Yes. So we've got new boosters that were authorized by the FDA this week, one from Moderna and one from Pfizer, kind of the the big players in, in vaccines that a lot of people have gotten. And these are a little bit different. They're called bivalent booster shots. And so that just means that there are two strains in the shots, both the original strain of COVID and the new Omicron variants that a lot of people are catching. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm signing up today. I'm going to get one today. That's exciting. <laughs> well, let's hope that the vaccine helps contain the winter surge we're expecting, but it's probably not enough, right? Yeah, so that's the tough thing. And we've known that for a little while that, you know, vaccines are really good at preventing the worst effects of COVID, you know, death and, and extreme illness. But they're just really not that great at slowing down transmission anymore. And some experts say that even these bivalent booster shots probably won't be enough to really stop people from catching and spreading mild cases of COVID. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to climate news, where we're seeing incredible uh, stories. Regions across the globe are facing climate emergencies, focusing on Pakistan especially. Much of it is literally underwater. Yeah. So it's been just really tough scenes to watch from Pakistan this week. You know, the country has had a really, really wet summer and monsoon season. They've seen about three times as much average rainfall 
this year from June to August as they would in, in a normal year. But it really came to a head this past weekend. There was really extreme flooding, and now about a third of the country is underwater. Wow. And disasters like this are only getting worse. We're seeing so many more mentions of them, aren't we? Yeah. And so researchers are still a little bit hesitant to say, you know, this is just because of climate change. But, you know, we know that a lot of the the things that led to this flooding are becoming worse because of climate change. You know, there was a lot of glacier melt in the country earlier this year. And we know that rising temperatures lead to more melting ice. And the monsoon season is also getting stronger. And we know that a lot of, you know, rising temperatures and more extreme rainfall is, is also because of climate change. So we are seeing more disasters like this, and we are going to continue to. It is tragic. Are we seeing that countries, though, are stepping in to help Pakistan? Yeah. So there is some aid that's starting to filter into the country. But, you know, it's the, the damages here are just absolutely devastating. You know, over a million homes have been destroyed. And the Pakistan government says that it's going to take about $10 billion to rebuild. It's just there's a huge need. The UN and Pakistan are still asking for more aid from countries. And it's just going to be a a long rebuilding process. So the big emitters are not paying for damages that climate change causes to the smaller ones. They're not just moving in very quickly. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there that, you know, a lot of people when disasters like this come up, they point to the fact that, you know, countries like the U.S. have done the majority of emissions for greenhouse gases and countries like Pakistan just haven't. And so they're still calling for climate aid, climate reparations, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Let's move on to another water story, but this is one that has a water shortage. And we covered this story last year, but it's still a problem. And I'm talking about what's going on in Jackson, Mississippi. Fill us in on the latest about what's happening there. Yeah. So like you mentioned, Jackson's water system has been just plagued with troubles for a long time, but it's become a new emergency. This past weekend, they actually also saw some torrential rain and and flooding, and that really just brought the issue to a head. And the whole city has pretty much not had water from the taps for the past week or so. This sort of just popped up into, you know, national significance because we saw all that flooding, but the water problems in Jackson have been, well, they've they've been around for a long time. Yes, yeah. So a lot of people are pointing to the fact that Jackson is a majority Black city, and they've just been underfunded for a long time. And it's it's really a case where you can point to and see environmental racism in in effect. And it's going to take a lot to really fix this. The city says they need about $1 billion just to fix the current problems, and then they're going to need billions more for longer-term fixes. Hmm. Speaking of water, something a little more unusual, and I'm talking about something called zombie ice. What is it? How is it related to climate change? I see the I see the TV series already coming up here. <laughs> the zombie ice. Yeah. So this is uh, an unfortunately scary story. There's this new research came out this week that shows that Greenland's melting ice sheet is going to eventually raise global sea levels by about 10.6 inches. Wow, 10.6 inches. Yeah, and that's globally. So that's about twice as much as people thought before the study came out. And the reason, like you mentioned, is something that the researchers are calling zombie ice, which is ice that hasn't melted, but it's ice that they're expecting to melt. One of the researchers called it to the Associated Press, one foot in the grave. You know, that's, I I hate to say it, but to get 
attention to climate change, you got to call something zombie something, right? And then people will pay attention <laughs> to it. Yes, it did definitely feel a little bit like that, that everybody was really seized on this idea. But, you know, it's unfortunately just one of those stories that shows how wild some of these challenges that we're facing with climate change is. You know, even if we're cutting emissions, a lot of these issues are kind of already baked in to how much temperatures have already risen. But there is some good news about climate change and or, or combating it. And that is about new investments in solar energy. Talk about that. We saw this week that this company called First Solar, and they're the largest solar manufacturer in the U.S., they announced that they're investing about a billion dollars in a new factory in the southeast, as well as expanding their, their capacity in Ohio. Um, and this is a big deal because, you know, the U.S. doesn't really make a lot of solar panels, but we're seeing that, you know, this and, and some other announcements coming out that more people are starting to build up that manufacturing capacity. Does the new Inflation Reduction Act play into this by encouraging these kinds of things? Yeah. So this announcement was probably in the works for a while, but the CEO in his statement about this investment did call out the Inflation Reduction Act by name. And so we will likely see a lot more investments and announcements like these because, you know, manufacturers are getting really good credits in the Inflation Reduction Act. They get paid for every solar panel that they're making this is a really big climate bill that could help the U.S. solar manufacturing get a lot more competitive. From what I hear, though, the same thing is happening with battery production. Yes. So many battery announcements the past few weeks. Toyota, Ford, a lot of vehicle manufacturers are announcing that they're getting huge, huge new battery factories up and running. So it's going to be a really exciting time to see how this plays out. Yeah, because the car makers are getting are going to get a huge credit for building cars in the states, building electric cars. So yep. you got to have batteries for them. Let's wrap things up with one more story that helps answer one of the great mysteries of all time, and that is how the pyramids of Giza were built. What's the current thinking? What's the new thinking? I love this story. So for a long time, scientists kind of thought that there needed to be some sort of river or water in order to help build the pyramids, you know, to move those giant bricks around. But they weren't really sure how that would have been possible because the Nile today is miles away from where the pyramids are. But there were these documents or the, these papyrus fragments that mentioned rivers being used to transport the bricks. These researchers went looking for evidence of where the river used to be. And they drilled down into the soil and found evidence of plants going back thousands and thousands of years and were able to kind of figure out that there did used to be a branch of the Nile River that went right by the pyramids. Wow. So no one's in denial about denial. <laughs> I, I can sneak that in somehow. <laughs> so what, what's what's left to solve in the mystery then of the pyramids? There's a surprising amount of things we don't know about the pyramids. So, you know, one story that is still kind of ongoing is there are giant voids in some of the pyramids. You know, these might be rooms. We just don't really know a lot about how the pyramids were constructed, what exactly was going on there, and even what's in there today. So there's still a lot to figure out. Mm. And one more thing, a reminder, right? Keep your fingers crossed. Tomorrow, NASA is going to try launching Artemis to the moon again. Are you excited, Casey? Yeah, I'm really excited to watch this launch. It's going to be tomorrow afternoon, hopefully. They should be able to take off and send Artemis 1 
up to orbit the moon. I just hope those 100,000 people who missed it last time might get to see it again. Maybe there's a lot of hotel rooms that were filled up. (laughs) Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was so fun. Casey Crownhart is a climate and technology reporter at the MIT Technology Review. Casey is based in New York. 